the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! There is no off-season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access. All right, let's go, everybody. Training camp week. Oh, it's finally here. Yes. Cannot wait. We will have you all week long, obviously, at our normal spot from 6 to 7, but then on Friday. The voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, myself, will be bringing you Texans training camp live right from the action. Cannot wait. We'll be on 8 to 10 right after Sean and Seth uh, Payne and Pendergast. I think that's the order that they, I heard them discussing that the other day. Uh, Pendergast and Payne. Eh, okay. Either way, either Sean and Seth uh, will be following them from 8 to 10, and we'll be doing that for the following two weeks. Lest I remind you that one month from tonight, your Texans will be in Kansas City to take on the world champion Kansas City Chiefs in the opener. One month from tonight. How does that sound, Mark Vandermeer? It sounds great, Johnny. Right now we'll be in the pregame show, so uh, we'll be getting ready for the broadcast and really looking forward to being there, and I hope that's still the case. I mean, there's so many things with pandemic sports-related issues that are up in the air, and one of them is NFL team radio crews traveling as of Saturday I counted 22 that were not traveling to games. They were going to do them off monitors like the NBA and Major League Baseball. And, you know, we might get shut down and have to do that ourselves, but I hope not because I think the authenticity of being at Arrowhead Stadium is going to be huge, and it's one month tonight from tonight, as you said, and I'm totally pumped for this thing. Yeah, it's to think that football – I mean, if you spend a day on Twitter, which I will be honest, I did not. Uh, I spent about – probably two and a half to three hours in La La Land um, on some painkillers and muscle relaxers. So I wasn't following it all day, but I was pretty much last night. I was in sheer pain physically, and then I'm watching all this unfold about college football. And I just I – I, I was irate on so many different levels, Mark, because – and we just didn't see us in the NFL because I think from the beginning, whenever there was a problem, okay, well, how are you going to do the draft? Well, Roger Goodell and the NFL league office teamed up with the 32 teams and came up with a way to do the draft. How are you going to do training camp? Well, Roger Goodell and the league office and medical professionals uh, that they have in-house and throughout the world said, okay, this is how we're going to do training camp. And we're doing training camp. And how are you going to do season? Well, my guess is if you follow the two others, you're going to go that way. College football has been a complete total mess. Complete and total mess. Kids want to play. The student athletes want to play. Shouldn't we say student athletes? I mean, there's so many people that say, well, uh, if you keep them away from school, then they're a place. I don't want to even go down that road. I want to talk a little bit more about the good things happening in training camp, the questions that we need to have answered in training camp. Mark, I want to do some over unders in the second segment with you. I want to go around the league. I saw this article I want to hit with you from CBS Sports where a young man by the name of Brian Diardo came up with three bold predictions for the Texans in 2020. And I want to get your gut reaction to each of them. Okay. One of them I absolutely agree with. The second one, I, this is a little bit of a stretch. The third one is way, way out there that I would not, not even touch. But we got to get to a little bit of news of the day that comes 
from the Texans. So, you know what, let's do our hot reads as we've got a couple of transactions that are key here. The Texans get up to 80 players with the following transactions. Number one, the Texans have signed the following free agent out of LSU, a tackle slash guard, Gerald Hawkins. And they have also followed up with a player passing his physical. He is now removed from physically unable to perform to the active roster, and that would be one of the key pieces, I think, for this entire team this year, Mark. And I do not think I'm out on a very thin limb on that one. I think that is a very true statement that I just made. Of course, oh, yeah. because I made it, I believe in it. Garyon Conley is removed from active PUP to the active roster. So, Mark, two players added. Gerald Hawkins uh, from LSU, who had been with the Steelers, played a tackle, and then Garyon Conley comes from Ohio State. Your overall thoughts to those two moves the Texans made with Hawkins coming in and Conley? Well, early camp PUP, you never freak out about that. We always say this. Sometimes you come off in 10 minutes, you know. So Conley back, great to see it. A month to go before the opener, so let's go. And as far as adding a tackle slash guard, you know, look, you're always looking to add offensive line depth. What we don't know, though, we're not out there yet, is is there an injury? Is there something like that that necessitates a move to bring in an extra lineman? Or is it just about, hey, let's make sure we have some extra alignment. Maybe we want more than we thought we needed initially because of COVID. Because yeah. if any position group is going to get hit with COVID, you would think it would be the O-line, right? Yeah. Possibly, yeah, think, based yeah. on the, the proximity, the way they play together, and D-line as well. You know, the guys in the trenches might be most susceptible. Now, that's just sort of logical talk. It's nothing based on any medical information, but the closer you are, the the higher the chances, you would think. So that could have something to do with it. But Bill O'Brien will share uh, some info on that later in the week, and we're going to have him live, by the way. Well, not live, not completely live, but very close to it. Uh, 8 o'clock on Friday, Bill O'Brien exclusive interview to kick off padded practices of training camp. And I just think that, look, the more people you have, the more bodies – you know, I know that they cut it down to 80, Johnny, but I bet the coaches yep. are thinking about now it is a hassle to coach this way, but yep. they're grateful to be able to do it. But, boy, they would love 90. You know, they, they want more. The more, the merrier. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, depth becomes, oh, yo, coach, you got a couple of tackles. I mean, think about how fast it can happen. Right. You, hey, coach, uh, you know, let's just take running backs. Not to say this would happen, but, but, but we have, we've seen this at various times. I remember in 2015, the Hard Knocks year, you know, Arian – in the first padded practice, Arian went down. I want to say it was with the groin. Well, Arian goes down with the groin, and then, I don't know, maybe later on, Alfred Blue ends up getting some dehydration. He needs, He's fine. He's got to just go get an IV to get some, you know, to get some hydration. All of a sudden, you got your third back in there uh, with your first offense. And who's to say whether that guy ends up knowing the offense, whether he knows the plays the first group does. Maybe there's a reason he's with the threes. Well, all of a sudden, he's not going to go with the number ones. So I think having more depth – especially at a key spot like the offensive line. And I seem to remember, now I could be totally wrong on this, but I seem to remember when Hawkins was coming out of LSU and he was essentially Leonard Fournette's leading offensive lineman in that group in 20, yeah. uh, 2015. Uh, we saw him at the Texas Bowl. Long arms. I mean, long for days. I remember hearing through the grapevine, and I didn't actually hear this in the building. I heard this from a couple of people outside the building that the Texans were very interested in Joe Hawkins. So maybe it's one of those situations where they saw an opportunity 
Um, they saw some things from him at the pro level. They thought, hey, let's let's rock and roll with this. Let's go with Gerald Hawkins and see what we can do, um, especially adding to the depth. And you're right, we, we don't know if there's an injury. And keep in mind, Titus Howard is still coming back from the knee injury. So there might be a ramping up process that they need with Titus that everything is, is fine, but they want to just minimize the number of reps that they have, and they feel like with Charlie Heck they have an opportunity to do that. Um, and now bring in a guy like Gerald Hawkins, he can come in. Rod Johnson's a guy that we saw make a ton of improvement last year in 2019. So to me, and I don't know, maybe I don't think I'm out of turn saying this, you can bring as many offensive linemen as you want. I, I'd be fine with that. I am, I am, you can bring in all the offensive linemen that you want, and I am totally and completely cool with that any day of the week. Well, it's funny because, like, you're just totally speculating right there about Howard. You know, I mean, it's like we got a roster move, and you and I both have these theories, right? Well, and, yeah. And we're, and we're going to see. But I, I think you're, you're on to something in that, you know, when you talk about Charlie Heck, who's a rookie, you know, how deep are you at tackle? And, and I right. think that uh, – and they want versatility. They want you to be able to play guard or tackle if, uh, if you possibly can, especially if they're just bringing you in like this. Um, and I think it was a great point you made. I mean, I remember emceeing that uh, Texas Bowl luncheon uh, when LSU was here with Fournette and that team and, and the way the way they were. And uh, <laughs> that's where we started the, the tradition of singing during the luncheon. And we just whipped that. I mean, I just came up with that on the fly at the podium. Yeah. Uh, Fournette did not sing, by the way. <laughs> but uh, but that was a good little battle we had that day. I, I think there are a lot of things in play here, you know, and I know that once we get out there, because today they did a little special teams install stuff. They did some other walkthrough stuff. They're going to ramp it up more tomorrow. Wednesday's an off day. Thursday, ramp it up more than Friday and pads. Once we get a look at them on Friday, I know you're going to have a whole lot to offer us as far as information about the way things appear to be at this juncture. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, you think I'm going to go to practice and be like, no, I am not telling anybody anything. I am yeah. keeping it all to myself. No, come on, man. You know me. I'm like a football Santa Claus. I like to share with everybody as much mm-hmm. as I possibly can. I mean, that uh, 6 o'clock Friday night show, my goodness. My yeah, goodness. Be, We're going to uh, need extra time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't know if we'll get, I don't know if we'll get through an hour of that. That'll be – I mean – you might, you might actually, you could take the night off. If you want? I want to take the night off. You're just, just let me like go Johnny. Here, I'll just start the show. Johnny, practice, go, and then <laughs> I'll just come back at seven. Good night, everybody. Yeah, we'll just have to check and see who's listening from across the AFC South. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's funny you talk about Leonard Fournette not singing. Well, he's definitely singing a different tune now that Gardner Minshew is. Uh, the quarterback in Cam Newton is not. Oh, look, 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 Gardner. That was just, you know, people made a big deal about me wanting Cam. Uh, but, you you know, we're good. We're good. Yeah, that should make you feel good, Gardner Minshew. Cam, Leonard Fournette would spend the offseason going, we want Cam Newton. We want Cam Newton. Oh, yeah, by the way, no, 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 Gardner. We're good. We're good, bro. We're bros, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Leonard, you're going to be out of Jacksonville faster than Gardner Minshew will be. Okay, Mark, as we get ready for training camp, I obviously did my top fives last week on a daily brew and I got to a section that we can actually build upon and it was my five questions heading into training camp and there's absolutely nothing about health because that's the first one well how do you keep everybody healthy I don't even want to health is just assumed to always be a question mark when you go into training camp always there people get banged up I mean, it ha- health is always well. If this guy's healthy, and I mean, how long? How many times can we say it for Will Fuller and you know some of the guys that have been out? W- health out of this, as far as questions go, because that will always be a question. That's like a Hall of Fame question. 
when you put scandals in sports and you start with various things, you always put O.J. Simpson's up on the, on the shelf as a Hall of Fame one because that will always be number one. So it's like everything but that. So here we go. Let's dive into these questions. Number one. You know, this is actually, well, yeah, I'll go in order. Number one, how valuable do you think the inter-squad scrimmages will be in lieu of joint practices and preseason games this offseason at training camp? I think they're going to be really valuable. But I know, look, you know how coaches are. And when you put that down on paper in July that you're going to have a scrimmage or two, and then you go do it. And it's an mm-hmm. NFL team, not a college team, right. right? I just think that by the time we get there, they know they need the physical battle. They need some contact. I mean, they really do. You can't just go a month from tonight and just, you know, go all out against the Kansas City Chiefs. You you have to have something. You don't have joint practices, don't have the preseason games, but I just got a hard time with them going full out. You know, I know it'll be thud or whatever they call it, but uh, it, it's going to be tough. They're going to be watching that one biting their nails, hoping that nobody gets hurt because yeah. it's close enough to the opener Yet you know you need the contact. Yeah, I, get, I know it. You can't play football with fear and everything. But right. this year, you've got injury issues, possibly. You know, you have injury risks is a better way of putting it. And you have COVID risks. You've got a lot going on here. I mean, you're really, you feel like you're walking the tightrope, I would imagine, if you're these guys. Okay, so Coach Harris is taking over at, mm-hmm. for Coach O'Brien. Uh, scary thought, though, that might be. I put together a scrimmage in which the ones go against each other for 15 plays, and that's it. And the rest of the practice Mm -hmm. is about 45 to 50 plays, twos and threes split up as such. I like it. Do you think that each – do you think those groups are getting what it is? Because my point in that is, with the ones, I don't know that you need to see Deshaun go up and down against the number one defense uh, for, for 45 plays. They need to get in rhythm, and I think they can do that with some of the seven-on-seven with some of the, uh, the team stuff, a lot of the situational stuff they'll do that is not in a scrimmage setting. But in a scrimmage setting, I think you go 10 to 15 plays, the ones-on-ones, get them out. There might be some guys that kind of carry over to the twos, but then you let the twos and threes, which has got a handful of rookies, which has got a handful of guys looking to make the roster, and then they go at it for 40 to 45 plays, and maybe you bang a little bit more with that group. Your thoughts? I think that's the first preseason game, basically, what you just described. If yeah. you're talking 10, 15 plays, that's pretty much the first preseason game, the way it's evolved, right? So it's about a quarter, maybe a little bit more of action for your ones. And I, I yeah. like the way you sort of transition into the twos there. And and I think that after a while, you just say bubble wrap, right? Because yeah. I think physic- – look, football shape is football shape. Everybody tells me that. But if you're in great, great physical condition on September 10th, that night, and it could be warm. It could be a really warm night. Yep. It could be having a September blast in Missouri, yep. you know, or it could be, yeah, maybe get a little autumn chill. You don't know what you're going to get, but you better be in great shape uh, and then be able to deal with whatever comes your way football-wise. I, I, these early games, week one, wow, how interesting is this? Mm-hmm. Some teams just won't be ready. Some teams oh, yeah. are going to get overwhelmed week one. It's going to be like, you know, in the bowl games this happens, right, when, when you have a big break or somebody just doesn't want to yeah. be there or, or right. just one team very often isn't ready to play. That could happen week one based on a lot of the stuff we're talking about here. You know, it's interesting you bring up the weather. 20, 2017, we went to New England. It's the hottest I've been on a sideline of any game. The hottest. It was late September. Late, late September, and it was 88 to 90 degrees down on the field. It was steaming hot. I have never worn my, not worn my pullover. 
LA was got hot in the second half or in the first half in particular last year as well. But then when we went back for the opener in 2018 to New England, it was like 60. And I mean it was week 1 to week 3. It was like you know, like mid September versus a little bit late September, but the difference was like 25 to 30 degrees. It was ridiculous. Okay. Let's go to question 3. Who takes over at safety next to Justin Reed, Mark? Ooh, I have a Eric theory. Murray. Okay. What? Are, are you bringing in somebody? No, go, go I, ahead. I, I'm going to say Murray. My Thomas? theory. Is, that, is Thomas your theory? Oh, I know what your theory you is. You know what it is. Say it. Oh, yes. It's Lonnie time. Yes. That's my theory. It's Lonnie Johnson. Is that it ends up being Lonnie. And when – now, maybe not right away. Maybe not right away. All right. See, that's the thing, though. All right. All right. I can go with you down this road. <laughs> okay. I can. Because I've but... always said about starters, like, people ask, well, who's starting? Who's starting? Look, when there there's certain spots for starters that I don't freak out about, like defensive linemen, uh, safeties, corners, like, who starts? Like, people get, uh, like, is this guy starting a wide receiver? Okay. There, there are games uh, probably along the way where DeAndre Hopkins didn't, Ah, he probably started, but like he and Will might have been the only two that started. But then when they brought in Kiki QT, especially in the Colts game, I remember he played, I think, 97 percent of the snaps. So it doesn't always matter who starts. But my point in asking, like, who starts, who will eventually be that guy that emerges to play the majority of the time next to Justin Reed? And I just have a feeling it's going to be Lonnie Johnson in some way, shape or form now. I don't know if that means that they'll be playing the exact same defenses last year. There'll be tweaks to the defense they had last year. I just think when they came out for that playoff game against the Chiefs and I saw Lonnie out there next to Justin Reed. Now, part of that was because there was no Gibson, there was no Adai. But yes. I also had a feeling that Johnson was out there because the way they wanted to match up in the passing game against the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs yeah. put three pass catchers out there. It's Hardman, it's Hill, mm-hmm. and it's Watkins, mm-hmm. and then it's Kelsey. Well, you need four corners to match up with those guys. And the closest right. thing you get to a safety slash corner with the size is Lonnie to match up with Kelsey. Now, Kelsey had his way with him this time, but in week six, Lonnie did some good things against him. So that's probably the best probably the best way of covering the Chiefs team. But I think just going forward, I think Lonnie's going to end up having a new position, and they'll just call it defensive back. And it'll just be – he'll be a corner some. He'll be at safety some. He'll be, you know, down in the box as a, you know, a, a – moved up, you know, as a box safety. You yeah. know, I think there's going to be a lot of things they can do with Lonnie Johnson. This is going to be kind of an experiment. But what do you think about that safety position next to Justin? Well, he's bigger than any safety they have. Put it that True. way. Lonnie right? is, yes. Lonnie is. Lonnie's bigger than any safety the Houston Texans have. So, you know, he looks like a safety, right? I mean, he's he's got the build for it. And, all right, if we're going to go, let's go mass speculation here because it's speculation radio 610. Heck, yeah. This is why they didn't bring in a huge name, right? You have Eric Murray, you have Michael Thomas. These are good players. You have good guys here. Uh, you have Jalen Watkins. They also brought in. We don't talk about him much. But they have Lonnie. And you still have A.J. Moore's special teams, of course, and he can play safety at a pinch, but you're not really going to pencil him in uh, to your starting lineup, really. So maybe this was the plan all along. We need some insurance. Maybe we need somebody to do it early, but we work Lonnie in. Maybe we're going to give Lonnie every opportunity to do it, and if he can't, we have the insurance, right? So maybe you're right here, Johnny, crazy like a fox. Here they are with Lonnie lining up at safety on opening night. Ha. That would be nice. 
That would be nice. Not speculation. Only to, to be right, radio. But I just, listen, this, people talk about the Texans defense. Oh, it's not that good. It's not that good. Okay, we'll put the best eleven guys you got on the field. Yeah. I mean, I know that does, that isn't always the thing you have to do because you can't you can't you know say Ross Blacklock and and Angelo Blackson are kind of <laughs> you can't put one of them at safety, but right. you can get as close <laughs> as possible to playing the best eleven guys you have on the field, and then you try and and go make it work, and you hope that the guys you put out there have some versatility that you can do some different things that you can play nickel even though it looks like base, you know those kind of things, um, and so hopefully with a guy like you just think about some of the guys they have, you have JJ Watt. Uh, you have Justin Reed. You have a guy like Lonnie Johnson. Those, you have Zach Cunningham. You have some guys that can do some different things. You know, Bernardrick McKinney can line up as an outside edge rusher if you want him to. The more guys you have that can stay on the field and give you different looks as opposed to, you know, a guy that's just an inside linebacker and that's all he does and play, and he's got to come off the field on second down. Uh, okay, well, that's probably not, that's probably not going to work. But if you have some guys with some – to, and, and people hate the words of versatility, but on defense, versatility is a good thing because now you can give different looks to a quarterback and go, wait a second, that's the same look I got, but they were playing a totally different scheme back behind it. So that's my hope, and a guy like Lonnie Johnson can help you do that. Okay, we get back. I've got some over-unders, and Mark, they are all focused on Anthony Weaver's defense. Mm-hmm. We'll go over those next right here in Texans All Access. Can't get enough Texans radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. Going somewhere? The Texans mobile app. Don't leave home without it. Yes, sir. Welcome back to a Monday edition. I wish I could say Thursday, then tomorrow morning you would hear Mark and myself doing Texas training camp live 8 to 10 starting Friday, August 14th, carrying for the next four weeks. It'll sort of be bittersweet in some sense because that August 14th day, that night, we would have been playing Minnesota. Oh, yeah. First. And I guarantee you if there had been no COVID, we would have been in Minneapolis or Eden Prairie, wherever the Minnesota facility was for joint practices. I can almost promise you. Oh, we'd be there right now, yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, we'd be there right now yep. in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. About the only a lot, a, I, I bet it's a lot cooler. Don't even, don't even get me started, Mark. I bet it's a lot cooler, Johnny. Don't get me started on a cooler. I, I My son went outside at some point this weekend. and he, because my For those that don't know about my son, he likes to go out and walk. And kind of helps him kind of untangle the cords upstairs. He went out for five seconds. And he came in. He slammed the door. He's like, it's just way too hot. And then he found something on Reddit. Somebody, there was a picture taken from the sun. And it showed like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it looked like these little moving little amoebas. And somebody had taken a microscopic picture of the sun and said, those little amoebas are the size of the state of Texas. And I was like, oh, good God. Showing how big the sun was. And I was like, well, Jack, there you go. That's why uh, you get so hot when you're outside because the sun is large. And especially in Texas, um, we uh, we pay for that. In Do you know what happened three years ago last night? So August 10th. August 9th. 2017. Oh, last night. August 9th. We were at the Greenbrier. Uh, we were Where at were we? Carolina. Preseason we game number one. And Deshaun Watson's Deshaun debut Watson. – in Charlotte, in front of a ton of Clemson jersey-wearing cool. fans. 
that was cool. That's one of my favorite preseason games of all time. My family was all there. There's a shot of my, my entire extended family. I got Amy had ended up getting us like eight sideline passes so I could get like everybody down and they kind of rotated who could go down. So it was really cool. It was the first time I'd seen my, my family in like two and a half weeks since we had been at the Greenbrier. That was fun. That was a, that was a fun trip. That was a fun trip, Mark. Mm-hmm. 15 of 25, 179 yards for Watson. He also ran for 24 and a touchdown. Yeah, he ran for that touchdown. I remember him going in. I remember we were talking about during a, I remember we were talking about during a break, the three of us, and it was like, um, boys, uh, we might have a pretty good one. I remember that conversation yeah. distinctly. Like, holy cow, this is going to get really, really exciting. Now, Sean Watson leads that offense. There's no doubt about that. Who leads the defense? Well, Anthony Weaver does calling the plays, coordinating that defense. Let's do some over-unders as it pertains to that defense. Mark Vandermeer, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This one, eh, sometimes I think this one is easier to figure out than maybe it actually is. But I like this one because I think it goes to show, A, can these guys stay healthy? What kind of impact can you have across the board from various players? Triple-digit tacklers. So those, those guys that end up with 100 or more regular season tackles. So I'll do the math for all the people out there wondering. Okay, that's approximately six tackles. Now, that's, that's solos and uh, assists. So that's all together. Right. To give you a frame of reference, everybody, last year, Zach Cunningham in 16 games at 142. Bernardrick McKinney in 14 games had 101, so mm-hmm. about seven per. Justin Reed played 15 games. He had 78 yep. tackles. Mark, I put the triple-digit tackler number at two. Push. That's what it is again. McKinney and Zach both over a hundy, and that's it. Reed's not going to get to 100. 78's a lot for a yeah. safety, right? That's a good number for a safety. I mean, I know there's some safeties that get more, but, boy, if your safety is getting more than that, you probably stink because too many people are leaking into the secondary before they get tackled, right? So let's just stick with this now. You have two triple-digit tacklers. And if I had to say anything, I'd say under because maybe, you know, maybe McKinney doesn't get as much and maybe he's busy doing something. I don't know. I mean, look, tackles are an interesting stat. If your D-line got a few more, maybe the linebackers get less. But the D-line, their job is, yeah, to get tackles for sure, but to also enable the linebackers to get tackles. So I I think two is a safe bet. Yeah, last year – just at 78. DJ Reader is fourth on a team of 52. You could knock me over Fred with that. Now, I've, I know DJ made a lot of tackles, and he was very active for this team. But interior guys don't typically end up fourth on your team in tackles for the most, for the most part. Stereotypically, that's not something that they usually, especially a guy like DJ, tie up blockers. But he was so good at playing off blocks and then going and finding the ball and making a play. Uh, JJ was fifth, and Sean Gibson was fifth. They both had 50. Uh, and Scarlett, Brent Scarlett, they had – 51. I agree with you. I think it is a push. I think Zach and Benardrick get to 100. I think Justin might be able to up that number a little bit because I think with the combination of other players at safety, it may allow Justin to do a few more things. And so he may play near the box a little bit more. He may come down there um, to help with Derrick Henry a little bit more. And maybe they didn't do that as much last year because Justin was banged up. You know, Justin had that uh, that labrum issue uh, that he had, man, he had suffered that thing against the Detroit Lions at joint practice. 
and played with that thing all year. I mean, we saw him going out to practice every day. He'd have a red jersey on, which means no contact. So he didn't have contact all year, and he had 78 tackles in his second year uh, with the Torm Labor, which is just an amazing number to think about. And for frame of reference, though, Mark, Justin Reed, his first year, he only started 12 games. He had 88 mm. tackles. Mm. Very busy around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It's that, that next I mean to to get to get 12 more Johnny is a lot. Let's I see. I know. So I, now I now I want to explore safety tackle numbers. Anyway, the, we're getting a little too esoteric baby. Yeah, I know. Okay. But I think you're right. I think it is Zach and BMAC. I think if a third guy gets in there, I think Justin would be that guy. If he gets the 100 tackles and gets 100 tackles, three interceptions, three sacks, he'll go to the pro bowl. But I mean, I just kind of threw it out there thinking out loud. Okay. He might go anyway. I, I did lie. I, I didn't realize I had this one here uh, on the offense. I do have an offensive mm-hmm. one here. Okay. Players, pass catchers, mm-hmm. with 35 receptions this season or more. Okay. For your Houston Texans offense. Now, you might want to talk this out and see which guys you think it might be. 35 receptions or more. The number is five. Now, last year, we had one, two, three, four. It was right at five. Mm-hmm. Darren Fells didn't even get to that number, and he had seven touchdowns. Seven of his 34. That's, a pretty, that's very efficient. Five players is a number. Five players last year. Hop 104, Fuller 49, Duke Johnson 44, Kenny Stills 40, Jordan Aikens at 36. And that was the line. Those five had 35 receptions or more. Over-under is five for 2020. What do you say? Mm. This is a tough one. I'm going to go over. And and the reason is, look, there are a lot of things to consider here. It's a good number. You put the number at a good spot at 35 because of, of the fact that Fells did hang at 34 while Aikens at 36. And the tight end group, I mean, let's focus in on them for a moment here. You know, 36 and 34 isn't a ton for your top two tight ends, but they yeah. felt it felt like more, right? It felt right. like more, and Fells had yeah. the seven TDs. But Fells, you know, does he take a step back in touchdown scoring? Well, that would be nothing of a surprise because that's the all-time franchise record, seven. And I don't know if that's going to trend up with one player, especially when you have Waring coming into the fold. And Thomas barely played last year, right? And only yeah. had one catch, but he had four TDs the year before. How does he figure in? Is he odd right. man out? Is he going to be stepping up big and be the top receiving tight end? I mean, there's so many different questions. But you know the backs are going to eat up a lot of catches here. And that might take away some of the tight end production. But I'll go Duke and David, okay? And I'll go at least two of the receivers. No, at least three of the receivers. And then yep. one of the tight ends gets there. So, um I'll do it like that. I'll say six, get to 35-plus. Fuller, Fuller, Cooks, Cobb. Mm-hmm. I think Kenny can still get you a number. He can. He can. Get, he'll get close. I mean, he had 40 last year, and he only started five games. I think both yeah, backs, a- which might be a lot to ask. It might be a lot to ask both backs to do it, but they're both so good at it. And Duke had 44 last year. Well, I mean, if the, you know, there are times where just – swing routes to those guys end up being like long toss plays. So instead yeah. of being a rush, it becomes a reception. So you've got some, you got some of those. And also you got those little push passes where Sean takes a snap and chuck and he just pushes it forward. You know, that's a completion as well. You know, Kenny, Kenny had a few of those last year. You know, Kiki had a few of those in his rookie year. The one he, 
The one he scored on against Dallas, I think, was that little push pass. And that was a pass. That's how we can get Deshaun over 29 touchdowns, by the way. That's I'm changing we- my prediction. It's, I think it's going to be less. It's going to be five. And that will still be a good number. Five okay. that get 35-plus in receptions. Okay, so if yeah. I change, I'll change the number to four and a half. I'll go over. You'll go over. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's, no, you're I, making I, it easy. Yeah. yeah no, I'm making it easy. No, I'm making it easy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sincerely lied to you. Um, mm-hmm. This one's about offense, too. <laughs> so Next, we'll talk about defense, except when we talk about the offense. <laughs> yeah. I saw the word sacks, and then I went, oh, defense. Then I saw tacklers, and I said, oh, it's all defense. Um, wow. it's, no, it's about Tim Kelly's offense. Sorry, sorry, Weep. In 2018, the one number, if you ask me any stat, you know, it's funny, people ask me various stats. Some, certain stats will stick in my head. Like, if you ask right. me, you know, how many, how many touchdowns this guy had or how many, there are only certain things that will stick in my head when, it's, when it comes to stats for some reason. But in 2018, a number that stuck in everybody's head was the sack number, and mm-hmm. it was 62. Last year, it was 44, a change of 18. That's a massive jump. And if you really factored in the number of sacks that the, the starting group basically gave up, I mean, it's even, and project that over 16 games, it's even lower of a number. So 2020, 62 in 2018, 44 in 2019, over or under sacks allowed by the Texans in 2020. I'm putting the number at 31 over under over over I, i'm gonna go 36 35 okay. somewhere in there and uh, i was afraid you just put it right there 36 35 but 31 i'll go over i mean i'd love to see it to be that or less but i still think that the way he plays the game you know he doesn't want to just you know check it down or whatever he wants to make a big play and sometimes yeah. you're going to take some sacks i mean uh, you know i I brought this up before. I remember Drew Brees saying once in an interview, look, I'll take a sack every once in a while. Look at Roethlisberger. Yeah. Take some yeah. sacks. I'm not saying this is what you really want to do, but sometimes taking a sack is better than throwing a pick or, or really forcing the ball in there because you waited and it didn't quite happen, and now uh, i got to go down. And maybe I can get it back on the next play because if there's anybody who can, it's number four. Yeah. So, And the other guys I just mentioned, Brees and Roethlisberger, no slouches either. So let's just say that um, you're going you're gonna to give up some sacks, but it's not going to be like last year, and it's certainly not going to be like 2018. You have the best line you've had in a long time, in a long time, Johnny. This is the best line they've had since 2011, and I think they're going to play like it, but I still think that you're going to give up some sacks. In fact, I want to go back and see what they gave up that year. I take that back. 49. Why do I have the number 44? 49. But either way. Um, to put my number in perspective or not. Yeah, 49. Be- all right. So because th- that was the group, though. McCarron took five. Oh, all that's right. right. Okay. Watson yeah. had 44. That makes sense. Okay. The Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. The Indianapolis Colts invariably have the best line in the league, as pe- people think that across the board. And I think the Colts, if they don't have the best line, they're definitely in the team picture in the top three to five. The Colts gave up 32 sacks last year. There were only eight teams, two, four, six, eight teams that gave up less than 31. So that was bad by Vegas. Vegas needed to set a little bit better number. It's interesting as you look through the sacks that are given up. You know, 49, obviously, a high, it's, it's a high number. But it's 13 less than last year. And in that game, you didn't have everybody going uh, when A.J. was playing. But the majority, that when you look at this, if you did kind of a median not an average, but he just did a mm-hmm. median. 
I bet the median on this, as you would look at it, is somewhere in the 40 to 41 range, which if you gave up, like you said, if you gave up 36 sacks, the Packers, the 49ers both gave up 36 sacks last year, and the Chargers with Phillip Rivers back there who can't even move, they gave up 34, and we all bang on the Chargers for having a pretty bad offensive line. Um, now, Phillip did compound that with 20 interceptions, whereas Deshaun threw uh, – he threw – I think he threw 12, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the number for sacks can you – know, it was a bad number set by Vegas. I think your 36 number is, is pretty good because that's not quite in the – that's not quite in the middle. That's that's probably top 10. If they get to 36, they're sitting about top 12, top 14 in the league. And if they can cut that from 49 to 36, this offense is going to be doing some things this year. There's no there's there's no doubt in my mind if they can cut that thing by 13 reps. Cut it 13 last year, cut it 13, and cut 13 even more the following year. And this team is going to be doing some tremendous things. Okay, Mark, I promise you next time we'll do more defensive ones so All right. I can make up – I will make Please. up for my mistake. Yes, but uh, Tim Kelly was glad to hear that conversation. I can tell you that. After talking to him last week, I think he was happy to hear us talk about mm-hmm. his offense in such glowing terms. Now, we got to go around the league. There's plenty happening around the league. Teams are in camps, and that is actually going on. It's interesting to watch all the various team feeds. So we'll talk about that next. And Brian Diardo wrote an article about the three bold predictions for the Texans in 2020. This is Whitney Merciless, and you're listening to Texans Radio. Don't touch that dial, or else. This is J.J. Watt, and you're listening to Texans Radio. It's like this Monday edition of Texans All Access Training Camp Edition. Boy, I can't believe that we are back. This is absolutely awesome stuff. Mark Vandermeer alongside me, your host, John Harris. Mark, I mentioned this to you briefly before the show. Yeah. Brian Diardo of CBS Sports wrote an article about the three bold predictions. Now, when I read these a lot of times, I have to sometimes say, oh, my God. Then I realize the word bold. So I understand where they're going. I mean, to make it bold, you gotta you got to step out there a little bit. So I'm going to hit you with these three and get your gut reaction on these because I agree wholeheartedly with one of them. One of them I'm on the fence about, and one of them I wholeheartedly am going the other way. So I'll hit you with them. Number one, Deshaun Watson, even without DeAndre Hopkins, will continue to perform at a Pro Bowl level. Your thought? Uh, (laughs) This is bold? Yeah. I mean, look, (laughs) I I love it. I I think he made – look, I could talk all day about DeAndre Hopkins. You know that. And I've always said – great things about him because he was great for this franchise and made so many clutch plays. I mean, it goes on and on. The list of his accomplishments. I'm not even getting into numbers. There was an aura about him. But Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson. I mean, you know, you just added uh, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks. You know, if Fuller stays healthy, you know, we talked about this all off season long. The weapons, the better line or the improved line after playing with two rookies last year and everybody together now. Look, this is going to be fun. This is Deshaun Watson, not even in his prime yet. You know, he's entering year four. I mean, year four, he's played two full seasons. That's it. Everyone goes nuts because they see Mahomes and everything, and you feel like, well, that's who these guys are. You know, Mahomes can get better, too. Can you imagine that? Yeah. But let's just take Watson 
Pro Bowl level, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say MVP level is coming. Now, I don't know if he wins the MVP, but MVP caliber performance, I expect that from Deshaun Watson. Why wouldn't you at this point? Why would you not expect an MVP caliber performance from Deshaun Watson? Of course you are. He's got the supporting cast to do it, and it's going to be fun to watch. I don't know what that translates into record-wise. I don't know how it looks when we're all said and done this season, but I'm excited to see this thing develop and obviously it has to develop in a hurry because the beginning part of the schedule is brutal, but we'll get to that. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've thought that for months. I even thought it as much as it stung the day that DeAndre was traded. I just felt like it. this offense is in Deshaun's hands and will be. So whoever is out there is going to catch footballs, and he's going to continue to throw footballs. And as long as he's protected, he's going to do quite fine. Okay, number two. Houston's defense will feature – not one, not two, but three rookies in its starting lineup. No. Was I answering too soon for that? <laughs> Did you want my no. answer right away? No. no. I, want you, I want your answer. No. I don't like dead they air. Won't. No, no. He said he said Three rookies. Respond. Who are we yeah. talking about? Right. Reed, Grenard, and Blacklock all start? Who yes. got hurt? Everybody <laughs> got hurt? That's not happening. Look, yeah. I, I think Reed can play, and I think he will play, actually. Yeah. I think Grenard can find a way on the field, possibly, but it's pretty crowded, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know I there think, are a lot of bodies at outside linebackers. Yeah, I mean, lot. there are a lot of different directions you can go, but I think Grenard's going to contribute. I think he'll get on the field, and I think Blacklock could start. I do. Uh, but I don't, know, I don't even know about that right away, because I could see Watt. You know, you, you trot out there against the Chiefs, and if you were in base, you'd go Watt, Dunny, and Blackson, Blackson and sub in Blacklock, right? Who did I miss? Well, against the Chiefs, you may not. Well, no, against how the Chiefs, often? probably not. You'd probably but, be but a, nickel, I, a nickel to start, probably. Right. But so that, that would may, probably maybe, be Watt and Merciless, and on the inside, Angelo and Donnie, probably, to start. Angelo and Donnie, maybe. Or maybe you're going to go, like, uh, if we're expecting them to throw it, you know, we're going to put in a Menahu or I don't know. We'll figure that maybe out. Maybe a Menahu and Dunn, a Menahu Blackson. Maybe try and match up that way. It's going to be very. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it, but three of them? No, mm, not happening. Not happening without, like, I mean, look, if they do and everybody's healthy, I'll go with that because that means they're that good. But I don't think, you know, and not that I don't think they're that good, but I just don't think they're ready to take over day one. You know what I could see happening? Kind of like 2016 when when DJ, you know, DJ was a fifth-round pick. Yeah. And DJ had a very – a narrow, no, a very uh, niche skill set, if you will. He was right. basically there to stop the run. So he would go out with Vince. They would stop the run, and those two big dudes would come off the field on second and third down, uh, and they'd let some rushers come on the field. And but but DJ had such a niche, and I could see where you know maybe Blacklock becomes kind of that guy mm-hmm. at the be- you know at the beginning of the season. Maybe he does it in kind of certain situations. Maybe it's pass rush situations, but then he continues to evolve into a player that can play both he can play the run he can play the pass he can rush and get some pocket presence I could see that happening but man to expect that from from John Grenard on the edge and also John Reed in the secondary boy that's a that's a mouthful but I tell you what that would come out to be one heck of a draft if you got three starters out of the five players you drafted okay that leads me number three all right Mm -hmm. hold on to your coffee here okay Texans Sign Antonio Brown to bolster receiving core. No, no, not yet. I, no, I, I don't think. I don't, I don't think ever. I don't think ever. 
I don't know. Eight games, right? So, eight games is the suspension right now. Now there's also a civil ha- case still going on that uh, could there could be more yeah. to it. Yeah, and the the clock starts running week one. Did I read that correctly? Whether he's on a team or not? Yes, it starts week one. Yes. So you you could sign a midseason. He can play right away. Uh, I believe that's the him. case. Yeah, I somebody's believe that's the case. Yeah. I think somebody's, somebody's going to sign him. Yeah, I don't. I yeah. think somebody is going to sign him. Now, I think some of this has to do with the fact that maybe a signing of Antonio Brown, we're in a COVID world, you know, do you trust him outside the build? I mean, I think there's a lot of things that go into it, but there's going to be some desperate team that says, you know what, we just lost this guy. Uh, we're going to lose this guy for three or four weeks, you know, due to injury. Hey, we, we've got a shot here with the talent. We've got to go out and get Antonio Brown. And then we have just, just got to put him in our locker room. We trust our locker room. And then that's what a lot of people say. Do you trust the Texas locker room? And I do. But I don't know that I, I trust Antonio Brown. I just feel like if you have relative health from Cooks and Cobb and Fuller and Stills, which is asking a lot, you still have Isaiah Coulter as a rookie. I just don't know that Antonio Brown makes the most sense, to be honest. That's Tyler just, Simmons, too, Johnny. Yeah, you Tyler Simmons, who I, I love, especially as a special teams guy. If one of these undrafted guys is going to make it, I wouldn't yep. be surprised if it's Tyler Simmons because of what he, he gives you in special teams. When you guys see him on special teams, he's, he's a monster. He didn't catch the ball that well. I wish he caught it better. If he did, I'd really make a push for him as a receiver. But special teams guy, uh, Tyler Simmons has definitely got to watch. Mark, we got to cut it there. we got plenty for you tomorrow as we continue to ramp up to Texans training camp live on Friday morning from 8 to 10. We'll still have our, our 6 to 7 p.m. shows right here on our flagship Sports Radio 610. Mark, as always, appreciate it. Joanna, nice job in the studio. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.